Okay, welcome to episode 80 of the United Pubcast. Now, you have all read the title, and um, me and Larry have been looking very much forward to doing this podcast, even though the memories do bring a lot of pain and suffering, but we'll do our best to try and make it a positive one, because we are looking forward to it, but um, you all have been sort of scared by the title. Um, Larry, are you looking forward to this one? Um, I actually am, because I don't think as fans we've really reflected on David Moyes' time, and I think now that we're, well, hopefully entering a more positive tenure and what we hope will will come out of Ollie's reign, I think it's good to reflect just to see on where we've come, especially post-Fergie when the expectations were oh so high. <laughs> well, I think... Um... That's probably Ferguson's probably the place to start. Obviously, the podcast will be dedicated to Moyes and sort of his whole tenure and where it, where it went wrong, etc. Where we think it went wrong, what could have happened, etc. Some high points, low points. But the man you just mentioned there, obviously, is Sir Alex Ferguson. I think it might as well start there because that's where the story does begin regarding David Moyes. Um, coming back to it was just it was after the it was after we won the match against Aston Villa that he announced his retirement, wasn't it, or was it before? It was after. Uh, I believe it came out in the... No, sorry, you're right, you're right. It was after the Aston Villa game. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of his announcement afterwards. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the announcement for David Moyes did come, I think, maybe the week before the season finished or something. But we'll go back to Sir Alex Ferguson's um, departure. Um, we'll get into the whole content or concept of you know David Gill, etc., Edward Wood. But just in regards to Ferguson... Um, it, was it a case of, do you remember where you were? Did you almost see it coming, or was it... Do we, did you accept it when it happened, or you didn't want to believe it, or what were you thinking back? If you cast well, your mind back back then, I definitely didn't want to believe it, um, and I didn't expect it. If I'm being entirely honest, because we didn't, I don't know what Fergie's contract situation was, but I don't remember hearing. Like normally, you hear murmurs, right? You hear um, a coach is under pressure, a coach is going to step down. You hear something. There was just. You didn't hear of it. We were playing so well. We were flying in the league, well clear of City. Um, we shouldn't have gone out of the Champions League. Uh, I mean, you could do a debate on that whole Nani red card, but you just couldn't see it. You felt like we were almost building again um, for another successful few years at the title, just born in Van Persie, and then it just came out of nowhere. But then it was one of those things where once it happens, you're like, okay, actually, this makes a lot of sense. What do you think? And again, it, uh, sort of, he, he has mentioned in the past his decision making sort of was influenced by sort of a death in his family. I think it was his um, wife's sister passed away, which sort of changed their sort of lifestyle a little bit, and it sort of forced Fergie's hand into what he wanted to do in the future. He wanted to spend more time at home, etc. So that's obviously a sort of pivotal part in his decision making. But do you think one of the I wouldn't say criticisms, but one of the um, sort of things labelled at Ferguson was that he saw the squad was aging, he saw there was maybe no real future, whether there was or wasn't, there was this sort of perception that maybe he thought the squad had gone as far as it could and he wanted to get out on top. Do you think there was any case of that or...? It's a hard one because we don't know what the doings or the influence of the Glazers were at this point. Um, There's been a lot of commentary to say the Glazers actually wanted Fergie out because they saw the influence he had on the club and, in fact, they wanted to start getting more of a stranglehold on things. So the way of doing that was Fergie gets offered a role uh, as a, on, the, on the board, I should say, and 
that way the Glazers would take more control. Now, again, that's probably a conspiracy theory, but there might be an element of truth to that. If you just look at the transfer windows and how much we were spending from when the Glazers took over, I mean, you only have to look at... I won't go on too much of a tangent, Tom, so please stop me if I do, but... When you look at Ronaldo leaving, uh, record records uh, transfer at the time, £80 million. But then we look at who we brought in. Michael Owen on a free. Uh, Gabriel Obertan, um, Antonio Valencia, who I th- believe was £7 million. So just already from there, you're thinking, if United were operating how they should have, you're getting a big-name signing. But then after that, there wasn't a lot coming in. Um, in fact, we're relying a lot on the youth, one or two signings, only Van Persie really, where we went above that 20 odd million mark since Berbatov, which was back in 2008. So I think there was an element of the Glazers pulling the purse strings and perhaps, and also just to what you've said, Fergie's um, partner um, um, losing her sister, that would have played a major factor. So I don't think Fergie was planning on leaving that season. Well, yeah, I think in regards to that, Robin Van Persie sort of mentioned that as well when he was sort of starting his negotiations with Ferguson. Like he was under the impression that it was going to be a couple of years of, of a project sort of thing, and um, it was very sort of it was news to Van Persie. He took it as a real shock, and um, it was almost that is why we do look at Van Persie sort of I would say one season wonder, but um, and he did perform in his, the next two seasons, but it was definitely downhill because um, his head wasn't um, in the same space. But um, before we get on to the end of Ferguson's reign, because obviously we do have to get into David Moyes eventually, unfortunately, but um, one of the big things, which is always labelled back in hindsight now, we, we, and rightly so, but it wasn't just for Sir Alex Ferguson leaving and Ed Woodward arriving with David Moyes. It was obviously the, la- um, the loss of David Gill leaving at the same time, due by into the theory that if one of them stayed, it would have been a far smoother transition, or do you think uh, it was a case of both leaving it was like almost catastrophic it was certainly catastrophic um if you you only have to look at the reputation that people have and david gill was known for being a football man first and foremost for all the criticisms of edward wood you can say he is an educated man well experienced businessman well at securing Good commercial deals. He saw oversaw United's biggest growth commercially, which people argue should have been bigger, but that's another debate for another day. At the time, David Gill, we knew, was a football man. We knew that Edward Wood was not. And again, he, he helped with the acquisition of United to the Glazer family. So you felt it was more a reward. And unfortunately, with that, not only did we lose an experienced operator, but we lost someone who... It's why we ask for a director of football, isn't it? Someone with football connections who can call other clubs and you know that that person can demand respect, therefore gets reasonable fees, the correct players, etc. So for sure, it was a big loss and I don't think that can be understated. Yeah, no, 100%. Now, the last thing on Sir Alex, um, which I think we might as well touch on. I always think this is the last game. We always remember the last game has been... um, or we factually remember it, the 5 all draw at West Brom. But for me, the final game was always the week before um, at Old Trafford at home to Swansea, where we scored the late... Uh, Rio Ferdinand scored the late winner. But um, it was obviously the day we got given the trophy and Sir Alex Ferguson's speech, um, which we remember at the time. But I can, I'm old enough and ugly enough to admit I did definitely did shed a tear during that speech um, for a number of reasons. Obviously, it was a very powerful speech. The, the realisation that he was going to leave... Um, and sort of almost those famous last words of stand by your new manager. 
Um, just cast your mind back to what you remember of that speech and sort of like, do they have much of an effect on you like remembering at the time? Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of the right analogy or the right comparison. It's almost like your grandfather who you don't get to see very often, but he's saying, you know, you're not going to see me much more. Yeah. Uh, this is me leaving. And I don't want to compare it to a death. I think that's a bit excessive, but it's almost like a loved one who you know you're not, is not going to be as prominent in your life. I'm sure since both of us were born, all we knew was Sir Alex Ferguson. Mm. So it was going to be a major change to not just the football club, but us as fans. Yeah, well, we'll definitely get into um, sort of that... Oh, I wouldn't say get into it, but that line of stand by your new manager. United fans definitely took to that. And I remember that when he said that, the noise around Old Trafford was just his cheer. was It was like we just won a trophy sort of thing. Oh, obviously, we did win a trophy that day, or lifted it at least. But um, they were sort of famous last words because United fans did their best to stand by the new the new manager. But um, patience um, wore quite thin quite quickly. So um, we'll definitely get into it now. We might as well start now with David Moyes. Now, before we get into everything regarding the season, one of the things, if, if we compare it to now, 2020, which, God, is a while. God, it's coming on 10 years soon, in a few years. But... We're on track. We could potentially this season, who knows what's going to happen in regards to when we're going to start up again, but say the season resumes in a month or two time when we get all the games played and all the competitions finish. We could potentially win two trophies, um, the FA Cup and the Europa League, and make the top four. But on points, we could still do that and still have a worse points record than David Moyes, which would technically put us as our worst ever Premier League season. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets a lot of uh, a lot of criticism for that, saying, "Look, he's going to have a worse season than David Moyes." In regards to points, that can very well happen, and is likely to happen. I think even if this season can be seen as a success, we will have a poorer season than David Moyes points wise. However, you look at the sh- um, shambles that um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took over um, in the state of the club Jose Mourinho left us in, and you look what David Moyes took over. David Moyes took over the champions and took them to seventh. So Solskjaer might have a worse season points-wise and even success-wise. However, you have to look at what David Moyes had. And you can argue about the squad in regards to was aging, did it have much of a future or whatever. But the fact is he had Wayne Rooney, Ferdinand Vidic, um, Raphael Evra, Michael Carrick, Robin Van Persie, except the list goes on. He had a team of champions and he took them to seven. So whenever the people sort of compare, oh, Solskjaer's going to have a worse record than David Moyes or a worse season... It's one of those ones where you have to apply context and give Solskjaer the benefit of the doubt because he's no way had a worse season than David Moyes. I agree 100%. Um, and, and also, it's relative, right? Like, right now, winning the Premiership, you require... It looks like 100 points. You know when United won the treble? 79 points won you the title. Yeah. What does that well, tell you? At yeah, the well, end of the day... There was almost this Sorry. law. There was almost this law written by, well, not written, but Stralix said you can lose six games in a Premier League season. If you lose six games, you win the league. And now, if you if you lose six points, you might not win the league. Yeah, I mean, and, look, and at the end of the day, if Solskjaer achieves what you've outlined, two trophies, potentially top four, that's a successful season. So at the end of the day, that's where that's where the measurement and that's where we in history are going to read. No one's going to care how many points you accrue. It's about what you achieve on the pitch. And to, and to your point, he took over champions. Now, whether that's an aging squad or not, and I know we'll get into 
the parts of the season, but there wasn't an... It wasn't like everyone was 35 years of age. He took over Rooney, Van Persie, who were late 20s and approaching 30 in Van Persie's case. Carrick was only early 30s and played well beyond that period, so I'm putting that a myth aside. You know, it's funny. I I think if Mourinho took over when Moyes took over, I believe we get top four because Mourinho likes an older squad, doesn't he? Well, Mourinho was definitely almost, I wouldn't say the front runner, but I remember he was obviously in charge of Real Madrid in the match you mentioned earlier where Nani got sent off. And um, I remember there was that controversial decision, obviously, with the red card and... Mourinho was obviously asked about in a press conference and Mourinho going through in the Champions League you thought would have been very happy but you could tell out of respect for Ferguson and the club at the time obviously it's different Jose Mourinho it was a very sort of unique answer and a unique approach from Jose Mourinho and I think he definitely did want the United job um, he obviously did go to Chelsea but um, I don't know I think David um, Stralik's probably sort of or maybe some of the big managers around the world had an inkling that Stralik Ferguson was going to leave because I think Ferguson made the decision himself around Christmas time and the Champions League was obviously when we get knocked out it probably would have been March or April sometime so whether Jose Mourinho had an inclination that he um, he was in line for the job or not I'm not sure but um, I think it was a definite case if he did want it and um, yeah I think if we got a Jose Mourinho then instead of David Moyes I think the club would be in a very different I wouldn't say worse position definitely a different position to what we are in now after a 2016 Jose Mourinho. But um, we obviously did get one Scottish manager, David Moyes. And we, we've been going for 15 minutes. We might as well start talking about him, considering the podcast is supposed to be about David Moyes. <laughs> um, the announcement, first of all, when you were told that we're going to get David Moyes, were you happy or you disappointed? Were you, did you see the project? or I was sceptical, um, but I was hopeful. And I think that's your job as a football fan. He made a progression. He did a good job with Everton. He got them into a Champions League, kept them quite competitive on a limited budget. So it made sense. You give someone potentially more money. Um, he's Scottish, so maybe we fell in love with the notion of, you know, you can do what Fergie did. Albeit Fergie won with Aberdeen, um, nonetheless. Our job as fans is to be hopeful. So I hoped for the best. Well, we'll start at, and we probably usually wouldn't start a sort of podcast like this or a topic like this in regards to someone's pre-season, but considering it did happen in Sydney, um, obviously where we're both from, we might as well touch on it a little bit. Um, just your general thoughts, if you can cast your mind back and remember anything about that Sydney tour, whether just a personal uh, memory from yourself or from the team's point of view. Yeah, I just remember going to the game. Um, first time seeing United live for me, so it was quite exciting. Uh, I remember Lingard playing really well. Yeah. Um, did he score two goals that day? Yeah, he scored two goals. I remember Lingard and Yanazai, who we'll get into Yanazai at the moment. I remember with the supporters, we spent a fair bit of time sort of down in around Sydney and the hotel, sort of looking for players, etc. Um, like we did in Perth. But um, I remember a lot of players like Van Persie and Giggs and Ferdinand and the like were always out and about sort of thing and crowds were chasing after them. And I remember at the time, because obviously... Even now, but especially back then, I was a big or big follower of the youth team, and um, Jesse Lingard and Yanezai walked out, and um, absolutely no one went up to them because obviously no one knew who they were. But I was thinking, geez, there's Lingard and Yanezai, no one near them, sort of thing, and um, everyone was chasing all these, they were chasing everyone down to the Sydney Harbour, sort of thing, and um, I was able to chat uh, again, only about a three or four minute chat with some of the players. I, I think there was Ben Amos there as well, but um, yeah, those were I wouldn't say. 
I've got a real love for Jesse Lingard, but that is my first sort of interaction with him before he sort of burst onto the scene. And I do remember um, just chatting to him then while everyone else was away. And um, he obviously, yeah, then did go on to score those two goals. And I think Danny Wolbeck might have scored as well. Um, yep. I forget, but the game, I don't like pre-season games. It's all about sort of the actual trip and the tour sort of thing. But um, one person who wasn't there, which he sort of dominated pre-season, even though he wasn't there, um, Wayne Rooney. It was obviously, look, who knows what the truth was? Who knows how close he was to Chelsea? Um, Jose Mourinho definitely wanted him. Um, if you believe sort of the reliable reports that Chelsea definitely made an approach, how far that approach got, I don't know. But um, obviously Rooney being your favourite player, what were you thinking of Wayne Rooney at the time? I was certain he was gone. Um, the noises coming out of the UK were he wasn't interested in a new deal. Uh, he obviously had a defamation a case against him from David Moyes in the years prior, yeah. uh, from back in the Everton days. So I thought there is no way these two are going to work. But the way Moyes came out, and credit to him, he got behind Rooney and almost reverse of what Ferguson was trying to do with trying to get Rooney out of the club. He almost put his arm around him and said, no, don't worry about Van Persie or Kagawa, you're my main man. And he put all his faith in him, and as it turns out, he ends up signing a new deal. Yeah, well, I think that in terms of the way it did start for the Rooney Moyes sort of relationship at United, it's weird that, I forget who got player of the year, but um, it might have been Wayne Rooney, I'm not quite sure, um, possibly De Gea. Maybe we should have researched that beforehand. But it was weird how it was such a tumultuous, such a rocky start. However, Rooney almost was the standout, and as bad as as bad as position we ended up in, it would have been ten times worse um, without Rooney. Like I thought he was, definitely wasn't his best season, um, but definitely one of his most important in terms of sort of saving the club. Yeah, there was a lot around the club, and I remember it was, it was the Chelsea game because the, the reports coming out where he was injured, right? And then, funnily enough, or ironically enough, he he versus Chelsea, um, and I believe we got the one all draw at Old Trafford and. He was the best player on the pitch. And it was almost, uh, from a fan's perspective, it was uh, Rooney's putting his his heart behind the club and he's backing David Moyes. At least that's how I interpreted it. Well, we'll get into the... One of the things I want to mention is that first game of the season and um, Wayne Rooney, but we'll get into that in a little bit. We'll touch on, obviously, what everyone sort of seems to love these days, transfer windows. Uh, David Moyes obviously had a very controversial one. We'll start a little bit before his transfer window, though, and I think this is one that always pops up um, as a good trivia question in regards to who who was Sir Alex Ferguson's last ever signing and why was it unique? And obviously it was obviously Wilfred Zaha, and the unique part is it was Ferguson's last ever signing. He signed him in the January. However, he never played under Sir Alex Ferguson because Sir Alex Ferguson left and Zaha came in as almost a David Moyes signing. Um... Thoughts on Zaha's time at United? Um, try and leave out David Moyes' daughter if you can. <laughs> um, look, I think those rumours were false, by the way. But all we can really say is he just didn't get an opportunity, did he? And maybe that was the fault of David Moyes. Look, obviously, we weren't there. He was a young guy at the time. Maybe he wasn't settled, obviously, being from London. I don't know. But if you just look at the career he's ended up having... You'd have to say it's uh it's it's disappointing. It definitely could have been suitable, but look, who knows? Who knows? Maybe at the time he couldn't handle the pressure of being at a big club. We see someone like uh, Memphis Depay, for example, killing it with Leon. Never happened for him at United. Sometimes the pressure of playing for a big club just means it, you can't get the best out of yourself. 
but it just happened the way it was. Well, obviously, on to David Moyes' side, he's own personal side, and um, obviously, we remember Varela, but we don't want to touch on him too much. It was almost a nothing deal. But the big man on deadline day, um, it was a circus of a um, drawn out transfer in terms of United going in for Leighton Baines and Fellaini and offering sort of pennies compared to what they were both worth, and then um, settling for a panic buy on the last. I think it was the last couple of hours of the deadline day, not even deadline day. It was really late in the night, signed Fellaini. Um, what were your thoughts on Fellaini when he was at Everton? Before any links were with United, what were your thoughts on Fellaini at Everton? I thought he was a limited player, but my goodness, every time he versed Manchester United, he decided to have the game of his life. Yeah. He terrorised Vidic every single time. Vidic was an unbelievable defender, right? Like, in my opinion, world-class but there was something about Fernando Torres and something about Fellaini that had Vidic in all sorts. He was unplayable against us. So coming into United, I thought he wasn't going to be Fabregas, who was linked with us. But I always... There was a part nipping in the back of my head that said, this guy's going to be a scapegoat. And boy, was I right. Well, yeah, I think he's almost... Look, it's, again, very easy to look back with hindsight. However, it did have that feeling of... Almost is that picture of them there on deadline day where they're holding up the shirt together, Moyes and Fellaini, and it's just one of those memes you see like Moyes getting the band back together. Like it just it was almost like he's trying to recreate Everton, and again he wasn't doing that, but it just felt like that at the time, and um, yeah, it just it, it came true. And again, we sort of have evaluated Fellaini's time at United, and when you look at it, did quite well. However, as you mentioned, did quite well for a very limited player. Um, what would you rate Fellaini's time at United out, sort of out of 10, um, taken in the context of that he is a limited player, um, but in terms of the, say, £27 million transfer fee, um, out of 10, what would you give him for his time at the club? 7.5? 7.5 out of 10? I think yeah. for, what he, well, for what he could bring... He scored some important goals. Um, he was actually really good for United, really. Not my cup of tea, right? Not my style of player. Not someone I'd rather see. Like, obviously, I grew up with Paul Scholes and Michael Carrick and Roy Keane in midfield. That's who I wanted to see there. But for what he brought, you can't deny he was a threat. He did his job. Even as late as the Juventus game with uh, until Mourinho was leaving, he was, like, he, was, he was such a handful. And when he was used correctly... Albeit, yes, he played too much football, but he was effective. So you have to say he gets a high rating. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, agree with that. Now, again, I don't want to spend too much time on matter because I could um, bore everyone to death if possible. But um, obviously one matter was signed in the um, January window, not at the start of the season, but we might as well touch on all the transfers now. And um, that was a club record um, deal at the time. Um now it seems absolute nonsense now that a thirty six I think it was thirty five or thirty six million pounds was a club record, where now I think we're we're rumored to be in line for that June, a sixteen year old from Birmingham for thirty five million. Like it's crazy how quick the finances in football have changed over the years. But um, matter out of ten um, with his time at United. Well, I was about to say he's the best signing we've had post Fergie. Uh, you know what, I'll stick with that Because I think, I want to say Martial But nonetheless, I digress Mata's been brilliant for United Again, someone with Not just important goals, but 
plays a key in important moments. And we've touched on this before. Someone who, unfortunately, just has not been played in his best position. You'd have to say 8 out of 10 for me. I think he's he's been brilliant. He really has. He's... I think if we bought him when we did and played him as a number 10 and he played number 10 the whole way through, I think that score could be even higher. And I think United probably could have gotten better results over the years. I'd say 8 out of 10 just because we haven't obviously gone on to win like a Premier League, but he's been really good one, Mata. No, no argument from me as well. Now, before we get on to what actually happened on the pitch, we might as well say the ones that got away and the three I wrote down were... Obviously, at the time, it's sort of heavily rumoured, but you never quite know or sort of what to believe from reports. But it has come out sort of five, six, seven years later that all these players were very close in terms of Cesc Fabregas, Tony Cruz and Gareth Bale. Um, go back to 2013. Um, were any of those players... For, for me, the player I wanted was probably Cruz. I didn't quite understand the Fabregas one, but that was probably more in terms of my bias as a fan, not liking an ex-Arsenal player. Um, but Tony Cruz is the one for me that I wanted, and it seems he was happy to do it. Um, I'm not quite sure how it fell through, though. From what I understand, he agreed to join United um, for the second season under Moyes. Well, what would have been the second season under Moyes? Yeah, and Van Hal said um, no. However, Van Gaal pulled the twin, uh, pulled the pin, and um, got in Herrera instead. So. Uh, which is crazy. I think Tony Cruz would have been brilliant. I mean, considering, you know, Carrick was obviously well into his 30s at this point and we just had Skulls retire. So what could have been? No, 100%. Now on to actual football and something that, look, we, it's nothing to celebrate, but something that does often get forgotten is David Moyes' first game for United obviously won a trophy. Um, a lot of people forget he did lift a bit of silverware in the, if you want to call it that, obviously, um, but the Community Shield against Wigan. Um, from memory, Robin Van Persie scored a double. From memory, do you have any recollection of that game? Um, I, I, to be honest, I don't. I don't know about you, mate, but I just never really took much notice of Community Shield. Yeah, no, I like, just, you... just cast my mind back. I'm trying to remember. I'm positive Van Persie scored a double. Maybe, maybe someone else popped up with one. But um, the re- reason I remember it was against Wigan was obviously Wigan beat City in the cup final the couple of months earlier. So um, always good to bring that in. But just something you mentioned earlier when we're talking about Rooney in regards to his start to the season. I still remember the first game of the season away at Swansea when it was this whole... The, the, there was an air of excitement, but also nervousness around David Moyes, etc. We went away to Swansea, which is a tough place to go. But... Um, and United smashed Swansea, I think it was 4-1, 4-0, 4-1, I think. I think Van Persie scored a double, but Rooney was on the bench in the middle because obviously the transfer window was still open. So it was in the middle of all this controversy. He's on the verge of signing for Chelsea, and he was left on the bench for this game. I remember he came off the bench, and sort of when he was warming up, like the camera was on him more than the than the game when he was sitting on the bench. And when he was doing his warm-up, the camera was following him more than the ball. And... Um, Remember when he came on, just it was one of the, everyone turned into a body language expert, and he just did not look like he wanted to be there. And I remember he came on and he set up the last goal. It might have been for Van Persie, or he, he set up the last goal for whoever it was. And all the players he did a good little bit of skill, played the ball through, and all the players went and celebrated with the goal scorer from I, forget, I think it was Welbeck, maybe maybe he scored a chip or something. But um, all the players went and celebrated in front of the fans with the goal scorer. Rooney, though, just stood there and just walked back by himself to halfway, and that was a case of, 
oh, okay, he's he's out the door, he's going. However, he did play against Chelsea the week after. But um, do you remember anything about that first game, David Moyes' first match against Swansea? Um, I remember being hopeful that we're going to have a good season. Um, I was really help, uh, hopeful of Welbeck. He, he scored a double that game, if I if I recall correctly. Yeah, my, I think Percy. Van Persie and Welbeck both got a double, I think. Yeah, and um, I I hoped that this could be a breakout season for Welbeck. Because um, like the criticism of him at that time was, good player, but he needs to start scoring more goals. And opening that way, that was the hope. But uh, <laughs> as we know, it just didn't pan out. Yeah, so um, look... There's no hiding from it. David Moyes' time at United was a disaster. And we'll go through sort of, sort of the lows and highs of his time. And we might as well get the lows because there are a few of them out of the way. I think the main... Oh, I don't know how to rank the lows. Um, you know, I don't want to sort of rank which one was worse or whatever. But we might as well start the games again. Sort of, I wouldn't call it the big six. I think it was still the top four at the time um, in regards to City, Chelsea... United and Arsenal. I think well, Arsenal were still probably there above Tottenham um, at the time. But um, I think we only got one win. I think it was our first game, not our first game, but uh, the first round against Arsenal at home at Old Trafford. I think Van Persie scored a winner. And other than that, I don't think we got a win against any of the big teams. And it wasn't just not getting wins against the big teams. We are getting smashed by the big teams. You remember those games against Liverpool and City um, towards the end of the season. Um, just your memory of those big games with the sort of context of David Moyes' approach as Everton manager. He obviously had a bad record at Everton, obviously couldn't transform that even with with good players. He couldn't get the job done at United. Yeah, I think the highlight... Oh, let me correct myself. I think the low light was the 3-0 loss to Liverpool at home. Because... Yeah. Now, the reason, obviously, they're our biggest rivals, but I don't know about you, mate. I hate Luis Suarez with everything. And just to see him, like, the way he was tearing through our team, like, he... And he was reveling in it. Like, he was loving his life. And and just looking at... I remember the camera cutting to David Moyes, and you could just see, like, he looked like he... He aged about 10 years in six months. Yeah. And as much as you're... As a fan, you're miserable. There was a part of you that almost sympathised and was just like, mate, please just well, do, just call it a day for your own sake. You just mentioned that in regards to Liverpool, or especially the Liverpool match. What impact do you think in terms of the way we viewed the season at the time? And I think a little bit, actually, I'm positive. It's happening now. But at the time, Liverpool going on to win the what looked like they were going to win the title that season, how much of an impact do you think that had on our view of David Moyes in terms of... Liverpool would never going to win the league under Sir Alex Ferguson. People still talk about a title challenge in 2009. That wasn't a title challenge. United were under no threat. We're always going to win that title, in my opinion. However, this one, it looked like Liverpool were going on to win the title. And it was just it was written in the stars in terms of they hated David Moyes from his Everton days. He had no time for Liverpool. He takes over United, sort of takes us all the way down the ladder. Liverpool thrive under Brendan Rodgers. And it was just written in the stars for Liverpool to do well. And in terms of, yeah, you mentioned moments like that with um, Luis Suarez scoring at Old Trafford. Um, just getting at the point, what impact do you think Liverpool's success played on David Moyes? I don't actually think it played too much, to be honest. I think he was... The job was so big. And if I'm being honest, I don't know if any manager could have done it. But 
for him, the sole focus would have just been getting some results for United. Because I remember at that at that time, I think that was when we were on our worst run of the season in terms of wins. Like we were just it was loss, draw, loss, loss. I, I remember like a, it was a, a little like, bit like with Solskjaer, it seemed to happen at the start of this season. But I remember under David Moyes, it was a period of about a month. I forget when it was, but it seemed every single every single result was breaking a new record. Like Newcastle's first win at Old Trafford in seventy years, and Everton's first win at Old Trafford in thirty years. Like every single result was a new groundbreaking record. It was just it something yeah. you could never shake. I remember it was just. Just had that feeling of doom. Every single week it got worse, and you'd think it couldn't get worse. No, it got worse. But um, I remember one of the low points for me was, and again, no matter how bad your team's going, whether you're United and you're challenging for Europa League, Champions League, or whether you're in a relegation battle, when the FA Cup comes around, no matter how bad you are, who you're up against, you have that little bit of hope that something can change. It can be a distraction. And I remember it was going bad because it was a hor- obviously a horrible Christmas period for United and for David Moyes. And we got Swansea at home in the cup. You thought, okay, let's get get a win, a bit of positivity, and we'll go through and um, try to build from it. And obviously got knocked out. I think I don't not quite sure of the stats. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was one of the first times in recent memory where United lost a, a home match in the third round of the FA Cup. I'm not quite sure it happened under Sir Alex Ferguson. And, um, yeah, you just thought that one glimmer of hope we could potentially go on and build under David Moyes just came crashing down. Losing at home to Swansea was just... I remember it was like a dagger blow. Yeah, oh, mate, I don't know. I just... <laughs> there were so many lows in that season. I, 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 But when we were obviously preparing for this podcast, I actually forgot about that game. And um, oh, the, you know, the only thing I, the... The thing I remember about that game was Wilfred Boney turning in a prime Didier Drogba. <laughs> oh mate, seriously, and and how, how at the time who knew how much worse it would get? <laughs> well, then uh, the one that also sticks out for me is always another cup one, um, which remember yeah, well, it would have to be because it was two legs, but um, you almost forget we got to a league cup semi final. Um, we got knocked out by Sunderland on penalties from was it from, yeah from, it was yeah. penalties from memory. I think did Danny Welbeck score was... one, Phil Jones missed one as well. I think. Yeah, I remember Chicharito scoring. Um, it was a crazy finish to that game because that's the one footage when all these memes go around to David Moyes. It was we were going through, and um, it was late in extra time, and um, yeah, we were going through, or it was going no, I think it might have been going to penalties. Yeah, it was going to penalties, and um, Sunderland had a shot in like the hundred twentieth minute, straight at um, David De Gea, and he just got it completely wrong, and he palmed it into the back of the net, and the camera obviously panned to David Moyes. And it was that sort of meme you always see going around of him closing his eyes in disbelief, thinking, oh my God, what has just happened? Could this get any worse? And it was actually from that moment in the League Cup. However, we did score off the kickoff in like the 121st minute or whatever to take it to penalties. But um, yeah, Danny Welbeck, and I don't want to blame Phil Jones, but from memory, Phil Jones missed a penalty. I'm not quite sure. But um, again, just one of those moments where you think it can't get worse. But you weren't surprised when it got as worse as worse um, as it did. Yeah, um, oh, we could go through all the well. Um, well, who was it against when we did like three hundred and sixty-five crosses? Full and we had a draw. Full. Oh God! Now that game, like I don't know about you, mate, but that was probably the most boring football game I think I've ever watched. <laughs> There's been that, there was that argument, and I've never going to argue it against it. Um, it was it was horrible. However. You put it sort of just 
look at the stats wise and think of what this game would look like if you saw it on paper. If you saw your team attacking and throwing 80 crosses into the box, you think that would be excitement in terms of there's 80 potential goal scoring chances. However, it wasn't exciting. I don't know how it, how that sort of comparison was made in terms of we sh- that should have been exciting. It should have been getting on the end of crosses or testing the goalkeeper. However, we got the ball into the box 80 times and absolutely nothing happened. And again, I don't know how that's possible, but David Moyes made it possible. Yeah, I don't know. I just think he, because the results that were so bad, I think the players just stopped believing in him. Like, And you you know how, how it is. It's like at work, if you have your manager who you no longer respect, um, and then he's telling you why we should strategize a certain way, if you don't believe him or believe in him, you're not going to execute what he wants to the way he desires, are you? It's just... All right, I'm just waiting for you to finish. And unfortunately, because it was an older group and they had had titles under their belt, David Moyes obviously hadn't. I think that paid against him, unfortunately. Yeah, no, 100%. Now, I said we didn't want to sort of rank the low points in terms of it's not fun to do. However, this still ranks as potentially the worst performance I've ever seen from a United team. That includes Ferguson through the 90s, 2000s. Van Hal's prime football, Jose Mourinho, Solskjaer. The worst performance I've ever seen from United was Olympiacos away. Um, in Greece, we lost 2-0 in the Champions League, um, round of 16. I remember watching that match, and it was a, it was an anger. It was just pure sadness. I remember watching it and thinking, this is as low as I've ever felt watching football. And again, it was only it was a 2-0 loss away in the Champions League. On paper, you think, okay, that's standard, that's normal. Nothing to cry about. But I still remember just the, the emotion watching that was just... just a sheer disbelief of where the club had fallen to in the space of six, seven months. Yeah, I think it was in the context of the season. I can understand why anyone would feel that way. Um... Yeah, I felt empty. I really did, which sounds so dramatic of us, right? I mean, we're both watching the Netflix documentary, and you look at yeah. Sunderland battling to stay in the championship to avoid going to League One, and then there's us yeah. losing 2-0 <laughs> in the Champions League yeah. and um, acting like the world's over. But you know what? In the context of what we were used to, it was championships, and that was the first game I felt... I hate using this term, but you almost felt like the players weren't playing for the manager. Yeah. Well, um... Before we get on to, I think it's one of the highs is obviously the return leg, but um, just the last low we've got written down here in terms of sort of what impact do you think it played on Moyes and his sort of time at United, um, his press conferences, and I always try to defend him, and we'll defend him in terms of uh, so many lines can be taken out of context and can be spun in a way to suit an agenda, but um, he definitely didn't help himself in press conferences. He had many lines that came out. So you think, geez, what's he said that for? And even I thought he's, there's nothing wrong with what he said in terms of he could have just chosen a better choice of words. And if whether that came with sort of his inexperience in the job or just naivety. Um, look, every sort of manager we've had has sort of had their own sort of flaws in regards to the press conferences. But your thoughts on sort of what impact that had on his time at the club? Uh, the the one that stands out for me is the loss to City and he says that that's what we're aiming to be like come on mate like that that was really out of order but you know what I mean in terms of say us as fans we're looking at it, the best team in the league in terms of Man City 
Whoopo's saying that. That's the level we need to be at. And he says it, and you think, well, he's not allowed to say it. Do you understand why, in my opinion, I could try and defend him in terms of what he was saying? No, because United were that the season prior to him taking yeah, over. but we weren't. We were the we, champions. But we weren't that Saturday. We had definitely fallen. Okay, but that was under his leadership. Yeah. The, at the end of the day, Tom, he took over champions. Now, Ollie's saying it in the current state... I can defend that because United have struggled to make the Champions League. Under David Moyes, you took over champions. You can't be saying the noisy neighbours who Fergie's been keeping quiet, saying that that's who we aspire to be. I'm sorry, I just I can't defend that. And that just for me showed, I hate saying this term as well, the small club mentality that David Moyes had. He turned Manchester United into Everton and that was his biggest criticism. No, look, I agree 100% there. Again, I'm not defending what he said, but I can understand in terms of... I was standing there looking at City and thinking, that's what we should be playing like. So I can understand in terms of... I don't think David Moyes meant it in a... In his opinion, he was still the Everton manager mindset. I think it just came out wrong, the wrong time, fan emotion, etc. Um, I felt he was hard done by, but again, he did, definitely didn't do himself any favours. Um, are there any more low points you want to touch on or um, do we want to try and spin some positive no let, let's let's spin some positive okay. I got all the anger out well on my lowest point was off the Olympiacos away um, obviously we actually went through though winning the leg 3-2 on aggregate Robin Van Persie hat trick at Old Trafford it was one of those ones as bad as it was again um, under under David Moyes and as bad as it felt something about being 2-0 down at Old Trafford and United chasing a lead no matter how bad we are you're always quite confident. I remember going in that game 2-0, and I forget what kind of form we were in at that time. I'm assuming it was quite poor form. But you were very confident that United were going to win 3-0. And um, obviously the main man at the time, Van Persie, stepped up. And um, is that our last hat-trick or last Champions League hat-trick at least? Yeah, it would be. <laughs> I surely, I'm certain we haven't had another one. No, sorry, I, I correct myself. Uh, didn't Rooney score a hat-trick... Uh, Van Gaal's Van first season The Champions League qualifier um, yeah, I don't know I'm it's... certain he scored a hat-trick Against Club Bruges yeah. yeah, possibly I'm not sure at the stage We'll celebrate in Community Shields With David Moyes I'm not sure if we want to um, Celebrate Champions League qualifiers But um, obviously That is a highlight That stands out for me um, Sticking in with the Champions League um, like everyone or Like all our listeners Sorry The best 35 seconds Of my life And Patrice Evra's Thunderbolt against Munich. I could not be happier for anyone scoring a goal, Tom. Like, and you know what? It was the first time since, well, since Fergie, where you're going into a Champions League game thinking we do not have a hope, and then well, it was one all, wasn't it? We, we drew, one we drew down, at home, right? didn't we? Yeah, yeah, draw home, and then it was um, we were losing one nil. And then I can't remember who scored the first one, but I definitely remember Evra scoring. And you heard the United away fans going absolutely mental. Um, but gee, it unraveled quite quickly, didn't it? Yeah, well, they scored <laughs> off the kickoff. <laughs> but um, yeah, God, that was a again something about football. It's the only thing that can do that um, to in terms of that roller coaster of emotions. But um, just on an individual, his name was in the news the other day. I forget why it popped up. But um, a definite highlight from the individual point of view of the season was the, and again, it probably now looking back at it, you almost think of it as a negative and he was a failure. However, at the time, it was a, 
it was a huge positive. Um, Adnan Yanazai, who came through the youth team, he obviously had a very good season the year before in the reserves. But um, David Moyes sort of introduced him. He scored on his debut. Actually, scored a double on his debut away at Sunderland, I think. And um, he was a real bright spot. I thought it was every time he was on the ball, he was always trying to make something happen. He was while Rooney had a good. I think Rooney had a very good season and sort of saved United, as I said. I think Yanazai, in terms of the attacking players, was the standout that season. Yeah, it was his first start for United, and um, he, he made an impact. Like any young player, he had his inconsistencies, but yeah, at the time, I remember hoping that Yanazai could really kick on. Again, he unfortunately didn't for one reason or another, and I think what, what Moyes did do well with Yanazai was he almost excused him from the tactical game plan, which, to be fair, he probably did with the whole team, whether he, he intended to or not, but... Um, yeah, with Enyuzai, it was almost like a young kid where you're saying, listen, mate, all you have to do is just go out there and play your game. And to his credit, Enyuzai did really well. Yeah, well, as I was saying, it's hard to you sort of look back now and you think of Yanazai and you think, oh, God, what happened there? It didn't quite work. However, at the time, that season under David Moyes, um, it was almost, look, I think it happens now, it sort of happened with Greenwood and everyone. You always think you got the next Ronaldo or the next Ryan Giggs. But um, I think you can't sort of forget how good he was that season. Or how good it felt to watch. Maybe it was a case of how bad we were. The bar wasn't quite high for him. But um, yeah, very sad and disappointed. But um, it was a shame that it didn't work out for Yanazai because um, he definitely had the talent. It um, just didn't quite work for him. Now, in terms of the highs, is there anything else? Is there anything that sticks out for you in terms of maybe a moment or a season or a performance or? No, um, I mean, look, we've touched on it. I think the highlight was Rooney, and it wasn't Rooney's best season. Um, he was he was waning, but... <laughs> waning, Wayne Rooney, sorry. Good I, one. I found that funny. But, yeah, thank you. But what I did enjoy about Rooney was he, he was so passionate this season, um, especially being linked with an exit early days. I really felt, felt he carried himself like a true captain. Um, and his first season as captain, let's not forget that. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, didn't really mention that. But, um, yeah, Rooney's first season as captain, and I thought he, he displayed leadership. He was a top goal scorer uh, with 17 goals. I'll never forget that big headpiece he had when he had the dash in his head. Yeah. Um, the, the volley against West Ham. The highlight for me was Rooney. Um, captain, leader, Wayne Rooney. No, 100%. And obviously, um, he did get sacked, it was probably late April, um, when it became mathematically impossible for um, for the United to make the top four, um, which we all thought, which was quite rumoured um, throughout the season, that if we weren't going to make the top four, he would um, be sacked. But um, it was, I think it was just less than 11 months he was in charge. So say 10 months he was in charge was the shortest ever stint for a Manchester United manager. Um, we did this, and again, this is not going to be kind to David Moyes, but we did it with Fellaini and Matta at the start. Um, if you give an out of 10, um, when you take everything into consideration, the cards he was dealt and everything, and his own performance, what do you give David Moyes out of 10? Um, try and give it above zero if you can to make it interesting. Jeez, I'll give him a four. Oh, a four is generous. Um, I thought it was going to be a, maybe a 1.5 or a two. No, I'll give him a four. The reason I'm going to say that is, look, he managed to get a... Look, I think... I am certain just about every single manager would have failed, okay? Um, Mourinho, I think, was the best shot. And even he probably still could have failed. But 
no matter who came in, I felt like you were really up against it. Yeah. You were taking over, not just the manager's job, but we've said this before. Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson was the director of football. He was the manager. He was the chief scout. He was head of development. You name it. He had his finger in every single pie at that club. When he walked out, the structure of that football club left. It was, would have taken a miracle for David Moyes, Carlo Ancelotti... Even Pep Guardiola with that side, because he plays a very distinct style of football, anyone would have struggled. For that reason alone, I'm going to be generous and say a four. But, geez, the results we saw, the tactics or lack of that we saw, um, he just seemed clueless, he was out of his depth, and getting rid of an experienced backroom staff, I think he made it really hard for himself. Yeah, well, just on that, I was probably going to give you maybe a three out of ten. And again, I feel that's generous in my opinion, but we just on the last point of David Moyes, we had his sort of... His sort of what was the biggest mistake in terms of he made countless mistakes, but um, I think his biggest mistake definitely was that one of his first um, decisions was to change the backroom staff. And again, it is extremely easy in hindsight to say that um, we've all played football manager and you go when you want to put your own stamp. And if he didn't change the backroom staff, he would have been under criticism, say, Oh, he's just coming in trying to. Um, he's doing Ferguson's work. He's, he's too he's too afraid to change anything. He's not showing sort of the balls to what it takes to manage a club like Man United. But he goes in and changes it, and then obviously is the case of well he should have kept with what was working. So I think it was a lose lose situation for him. But um, I think like like anything, you do have to look back in hindsight, and he got it horribly wrong. Um, would you say that was his biggest mistake, or do you think he's that's a little bit just? A bit of a lazy argument? No, think you're spot on. Uh, he took his backroom stuff from Everton, which, look, I fully understand you abiding by the men who you've walked through the trenches with in the past and trust, but to get rid of staff who knew Manchester United inside out, yeah. that's the fabric of Manchester United. Everyone always talks about that, the history on the walls, and yes, a lot of clubs use that term, but it really matters for United. And that's what separates, for me, Manchester United and even Liverpool. Um, those two clubs have such great history in the English game that no other club can match in terms of success, history, and the and the values. Um, so rivalry aside, I have to give Liverpool credit there. And because he didn't adopt that, I think that was his biggest downfall, no doubt. Well, that was on, obviously, David Moyes. But in terms of looking at it from the club's point of view, what was the biggest thing you think the club learned in terms of... And I don't want it to be a case of has the club learned from it or anything in terms of... We've obviously made a lot of mistakes since. However, say where David Moyes is sacked yesterday and you're in charge now and you're replacing David Moyes, what do you think is the biggest thing that the club should have learnt from appointing David Moyes? That you can't expect a new manager, no matter how successful the football team, you can't expect a manager to just simply, one goes in, one goes out and expect the same results. I think that's been the biggest lesson, uh, and we haven't seen it since. Every manager who came in un- after Moyes has been further backed in the in the transfer market. Now, why those deals didn't go through, I don't know, but we haven't seen the catastrophe that we saw in Moyes' season in the transfer market. So I feel like that would be the biggest lesson. No, hard to argue. Agree 100%. There. And just in regards to the next manager after David Moyes, which is often forgotten about... But um, we'll touch on just one last positive, which it felt like a positive at the time. Um, it'll be a bit of a trivia question. Who was the next manager after David Moyes? It was obviously Brian Giggs for four games. Um, as bad as that season was, 
those four games were fun. Um, I think we only won two of them. But um, that moment when he walked out against Norwich, out of the tunnel, um, that reception, it was almost like that Ferguson speech where it gave you goosebumps. When, when he walked out of that tunnel in front of the Stratford end, that was one I can still watch back on YouTube now, and you still get goosebumps every time you watch it. Yeah, um, it's memorable because he started um, a youth product in James Wilson, who scored the double. And there was also one game where the manager brings himself off the bench, which I, I got to say, Tom, I quite enjoyed. Yeah, well, I think that was the game he started Wilson in um, against Hull. Yeah, I remember, I think that was the last game at Old Trafford um, of the season. And um, yeah, he was obviously in the first game against Norwich, he was on the sideline with a suit. However, against um, Hull a couple of weeks later, he named himself on the bench. He was on the sideline in the track suit. And you could tell, he obviously named himself on the bench, and you could tell the crowd was seeing like, for him to sub himself on. And he eventually did. I think he took Tom Lawrence off. He gave Tom Lawrence a debut as well. But um, he said, yeah. stuff it, I'm getting on the action here. And he had a free kick laid on where he got over, and he actually hit it quite well, but it was a good save. But um, definite highlight that season. Um, he's doing quite well for uh, Wales at the moment. It's, it's a shame they didn't, or they are at the Euros, but it's a shame the Euros won't go ahead because it would be good to see gigs sort of on a platform like that. But um, anything else on the absolute shambles of the thirteen fourteen season before we wrap up? Nope, I think you've let me live that memory uh, long enough, Tom, so I'm happy to leave it there. Yeah, apologies if we've put a downer on anyone's mood, uh, but we just thought it might as well um, get something out there and talk about what will be quite a memorable season when we look back in 30 or 40 years and you think, I was there, I remember that, I lived through the David Moyes era. Um, now the next episode, maybe not the next episode, but the next in this kind of series and area of topics, etc. Um, things don't get any easier. It'll probably get a little bit easier, but um, hopefully it's not a boring episode. But um, LVG, you're yeah, keen to do an episode on uh, like we've just done for Van Hal's two seasons? Yeah, one hundred percent. There were parts of Van Gaal where I almost wonder what could have been, but. We'll save that for another podcast. Well, there's definitely those moments. However, as bad as David Moyes got, I don't think it got that bad, but my God, didn't it get boring? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did. Not like this podcast, though, Tom. We're entertaining, attacking football over here. No, 100%. So keep your eyes out for that podcast. Um, Again, thank you, everyone, for your support. I know it is tough at the moment with no football and nothing really to talk about. So we do appreciate everyone listening to this. Um, we'll try and make it as engaging and sort of as many interesting topics as we can. Because um, like I mentioned, every single week, there is only so many Pogba and Sancho updates. And um, even I, as much as I love a transfer a transfer rumour, I'm bored shitless of Jaden Sancho. I don't, I just, I'm over it. I'm over it, Larry. Um, don't provide, don't send me any tweets with links to articles or anything. I'm over it. No problem. All right. Thank you. And... Thanks again for listening and we will chat to you in a couple of days. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.